discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti This morning, I want to share with you on an important subject that I believe will help all of us. Okay? I'm sharing with you, with us, on fruitfulness through the leadings of the Spirit. Is it a good topic? Fruitfulness through the leadings of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we are grateful once again. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. When you read in the Bible, you see how... You know, Jesus sacrifices himself. He dies on the cross of Calvary for all of us. For humanity. You see. And you see how he positions us, you know, makes us one with him. Makes us his children. Makes us his righteousness. You know. Brings us his goodness. If you read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. The Bible lets us know that we are God's workmanship. Says for we are his own workmanship. Created in Christ. Let's read the Amplified. I think it will help us. It says, for we are God's own handiwork. So what workmanship has to do with being God's handiwork. It's like you are God's product. You are God's making. It's the Lord who made you. And he's not talking about the first creation. He's not talking about you coming into this world as a human being. He's talking about the new creation. The new creation is God's responsibility. You see, the new life you have is God's creating, creation. God is the one who created it. He says, for we are God's own handiwork. And the word handiwork there is the Greek, the Greek word is poema. And it means the highest and the best of a person's work. You see. Um, da Vinci did a lot of Things, but one of the th one of the things that he's known for is the Mona Lisa, isn't it? So the Mona Lisa can be described as Da Vinci's handiwork, his poema, his best work. Are you in the church? In the same way, God also has a lot of nice things that He's done. If you look at the sun, very powerful, very glorious. Our sun is one of the smallest in the whole of the universe. There are suns that are ten times. A million times bigger than our sun. Even though our sun is about 1.6 million times bigger than our earth. Can you imagine? Has your father done that before? It cannot, all these things cannot come about as a result of an explosion. No, it's not possible. There's an architect behind these things. Yes. If the dress you are wearing didn't come out of an explosion, if someone had to sit down to design it, and design your hairstyle. The guys, the shape that is, you know, the shape. It was a Baba who stood, looked at your face and then gave you the. Uh, you can't say with him or two. Two, three more. Two, any more. He's giving you shape. Hey! 
How can you say, if that is not an explosion, how can you say, oh, the heavens, the earth, look at how odd things are, look at the mountains, look at the stars, it's like they are positioned in the right place, look at how we, where we are positioned. Our earth, okay, is positioned at the right place with respect to the sun. If our earth shifts a meter close to the sun, all of us will bend to death. If it shifts a meter away from the sun, all of us will freeze to death. It's like it's at the right place revolving around, uh, going around uh, a particular orbit. Hey, how can you say it's an explosion? I know the bar. I know the bar. I don't understand. Ask Kodeba, do you understand? Yeah, I don't understand. Do you, I don't understand how this one can be. Hey. No, 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 no. So, all, out of all the things that God did, the stars, there's a, there's a big star called Betelgeuse. Big, 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 big stars. There's a, um, what? Which one do you remember? Canis Majoris, Stevenson, 41 something, 24 something. Hey, big, big, big. If you check it online, you'll be surprised. Huge. Huge. Hey, all, out of all the things that God has done, God says that the new creation, it's his best work. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, like, it's like you are his best work. Like he doesn't joke with you at all. You are so special to him. He likes you. He loves you. He enjoys your presence. He enjoys how you are, what you are. Like he made you. Yeah. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Sometimes you don't even like yourself. God says he likes you. What is your problem? Why don't you don't like yourself? Charlie, like yourself because God likes you. The creator of the whole universe says that you are his best. You are his Mona Lisa. Hey! I feel like singing a song about Mona Lisa right now. <laughs> what a shock. He says that you are, you are his best. So think like that. Do you see? I am God's best. I am God's best. Yeah. God likes you. God does not hate you. You see, the time of wrath has passed away. Okay, there was a time when God was so angry with human beings because of what Adam did. The anger of God was so much that is he, it is typified in Elijah's time. You know, Elijah had this competition with these guys from these worshippers of Baal. Do you remember? And they were supposed to kill a bull, do an evening sacrifice and all of that. The guys cried. They killed their... And, you know, apparently you were supposed to talk to your God, your God to respond by fire. Uh-huh. Very wild competition. Put out by Elijah. Now, these guys were crying throughout the night, throughout the morning. Nothing happened. And Elijah was laughing at them. Maybe your God is asleep. Or maybe he has gone to the loo. Or maybe something. He's gone to the market. He just laughed at them and all of that. They, could, they couldn't... Fire didn't come. And then Elijah, you know, set up an altar, put the sacrifice on it, and told them to pour water on it. They poured gallons upon gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water. It was drenched completely. This is First Kings chapter 18. Okay? You see it, I think from verse uh, 30. Go to verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he prepared the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. 
unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of, of seed. Okay? He dug a very big trench all around the altar. Go back. We don't understand. I want you to see exactly what. Go back. Now let's read the Amplified. I'm sure the Amplified will make it simpler. Okay, he says, he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of this one to say it's two measures of you is English. Can you show us English? Okay. This is a GNT, good news. He says he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold about four gallons of water. I seen it. Large enough to hold about what? Four gallons of water. A trench. Next verse, please. Then he placed the wood on the altar, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood. He said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering and the wood. They did so. And he said, do it again. And they did it. Do it once more. He said, and they did it. And the water ran down around the altar and filled the trench. And the hour of the afternoon, sacrificed the prophet Elijah approached the altar and prayed. So he prayed a very wonderful prayer. When he prayed, the fire that came from heaven consumed the, the, the offering, the wood, the altar, the stones, licked up all the water, everything. Eh? The, the Lord sent, down, set, sent fire down and it burned upon the altar, the, uh, burned upon the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, scorched the earth and dried up the water in the trench. Now, the fire represents God's wrath or God's anger. The sacrifice represents what is supposed to be used to appease God. All the sacrifices were to appease God and, you know, make God satisfied, cool his heart. You understand? God's anger and God's wrath was more than the sacrifice that they were giving. Like the sacrifice they were giving could not meet up to the, the, the wrath of God. I see it. That was how angry God was with humanity because of what Adam did. Yeah, very wild wrath. But when you read, because of Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice is more than God's wrath. God, God has more than, God is more than appeased with the sacrifice of Christ. Can you imagine? That Jesus' sacrifice is greater than God's wrath. And you see it in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 53. Let me show you some. Hallelujah. Let's read from Verse 10. He says, Yet please the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Hmm? He says, He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. Then he says, He shall see the travail of his soul. And shall be satisfied. So God was satisfied with the travail of Jesus' soul. The, the sacrifice was, was more than enough for God. God was satisfied. He says, he shall, see, he shall see of the travel of his soul and shall be satisfied. Then he says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servants justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus bore our iniquities. Jesus bore our sins. Jesus bore our guilt. Can you imagine that? Go to verse 10. He says, yet it pleases a lot to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make a soul an offering for sin. The word offering for sin is the same word for guilt. The, the Hebrew word is asham. A-S-H-A-M. Asham. 
and it means trespass offering or offering for guilt. And it's the same word used for guilt. The same word used for the offering is the same word for the guilt. Do you understand? So what it means is that Jesus' sacrifice, okay, took away your guilt and condemnation. That is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that, that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to all those who are in Christ. Do you see? As you walk in the Spirit, as you walk with the Spirit, it becomes practical in life. When you walk in the flesh, it becomes, you don't enjoy the blessings that Jesus has made available. But when you walk with the Spirit, when you walk in the Word, walking in the Spirit has to do with walking in the Word. Do you see? Allowing the Word of God to guide your mind, guide your, guide your actions and everything, allows you to enjoy the blessings that is in the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus' death took, can you imagine his death took away guilt? All the guilt and all the condemnation. Hmm. So God likes you. Now God has, I mean, God has, the, the anger is gone. So if you're reading Isaiah chapter 54, which is the next chapter after Isaiah chapter 53, isn't it? Look at Isaiah chapter 54. Verse 8. He says, in a little wrath, I hid my face. He calls it little wrath. But it was not little. It was a very wild wrath. In little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee. Which has happened. Say the Lord thy Redeemer. Verse 9. Then he says, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. You see, the wrath. You see, Noah's, Noah's flood was the wrath of God for that time, isn't it? But God told Noah to build an ark, make it of gopher wood, and overlay it, pitch it, you know, inside and outside, isn't it? Now, all those who were in the ark went through the judgment. But were not, they went through the waters, which was a judgment. Where they were not destroyed by the water. Do you get it? Christ is that ark. Jesus is like the ark. That's why we say we are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, what it means is that we are now inside an ark called Christ. And that ark, which is called Christ, went through the wrath of God, which is at the waters, which is like, which is uh, the waters of Noah. Okay, and saved all of us. So even though the, the ark of the ark, Noah's ark was going to the water, the, the water did not enter the ark. Those who were inside were kept safe. Yeah. That's how it all of us who are in Christ have been judged in sin according to sin, or have been have gone through the judgment of sin and have come out without any problems. So that's the blessing of the Lord. And you need to be confident in what God has done for you in Christ. Instead of allowing the devil to accuse you every time about what you did. What you didn't do, what you were about to do, what you were thinking of doing, and what you hope not to do. <laughs> he accuses you about everything. Don't allow the devil to accuse you. Always rem- remind the devil of what Jesus has done, of what God has done in Christ for you. He says, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For, for us I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. Then he says, So have I sworn that I would not be angry with thee, nor rebuke thee. So God says, I will not be angry with you, or rebuke you. Can you imagine? That's what the Bible says. Yes. And walking in the blessings that has been made available through Jesus Christ. 
of the blessings of no guilt, no condemnation, makes you live the way God wants you to live. You see, if someone has died for you, sacrificed himself for you, this gentleman went to steal. It's just an assumption. It's just an example. Let's say he went to steal something. Okay, and this is the judge. And he's supposed to. And this guy is supposed to die. Okay, and then our brother CC comes along and then comes to take his place. And then he is judged and destroyed and killed. How should this guy live his life? How do you think he should live your life? Come. How, how, this person took your place and died. What, what do you think you should do? Very happy. Be very happy. Yeah. And I always appreciate him for what he has done for me. Appreciation. You start appreciating God. You live a, you live a life. So that is written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14. He says that for the love of Christ, the love that Christ had in our, in our case, constrains us. It hems us in. Do you see? It compels us to live in a certain way. Because this is, this is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him so that you will be free. Hey! How should you live your life now? In appreciation of the one who gave himself. Because you, you see, maybe you don't understand where you were going to. Where you, where you understand where you, the journey you were on. And the destination that was waiting for you. Okay, you'll be grateful to God for what He has done for you. Yeah, Jesus was put to shame so that you will not have shame in life. Yeah, but the least you can do is to say thank you to Him. Second Corinthians 5 verse 4 says, For the love of Christ is constrained us, it constrained because we as church. Let's read the lighter version. Look at it. It says, For the love of Christ, not our love for Christ, though, the love that Jesus had for us controls and edges and impels us. Because we are of the opinion and convicted that if one died for all, then all died. One died for them, it means that all of us died. Next then. Then he says that, and he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves. So the more you, if you are living for yourself, it means that you don't understand the love that God has had for you. Yes. The one who is forgiven much, loves much. You know, there was a slave, this slave girl who was being sold in the open market, slave market. You know, and there were people who were looking at buying her. And those were wicked slave masters that everybody knew. Very wicked slave masters that everybody knew. And then one rich man passing by saw her being sold. And he just liked her and decided to buy her. At a price that none of the people could buy. They couldn't pay for that, for that amount. They couldn't pay that amount. So she came and then, he came and then paid everything. Above and beyond the price that she was being sold for. Do you see? And when he bought the girl, he told the girl that, Charlie, you are free. I just like you. I just decided to, you know, purchase your freedom. So you are free. You can go do whatever you want to do. God bless you. And then the man left. As the girl was standing there, she was wondering what she should do with her life. Because all her life she has set as a slave. And now she's free. You know what she did? She ran to the man and told the man that she wants to be his slave. Proper, proper. Like, seriously. <laughs> so he shouldn't. He's, she's grateful for, for what she has done. He, she knows she's free, but she wants to, she wants to serve him for free. 
wherever he. And if someone like this pays for everything concerning you, what do you think the person will not do again? Are you better off going with the person or rather going away? This person paid for more than enough. Hey, they will capture you again somewhere and you so and sell you. Or yeah. yeah. So the, the, the blessing of knowing what Jesus done, has done for us is our service to him. You just, if you allow it to sink into your heart, you just the response is that of let me just let me just love this guy back. Hallelujah. Now, there's a reason for his, for our purchase. You know, all, Jesus did all that he did for a reason. I mean, nobody does anything without a reason, isn't it? I mean, there are people who do things without any reason, but then, if you, are, if you think a bit, you'll notice that, I mean, before you take an action, <laughs> you must think before you move, isn't it? It's like a guy going to propose to a girl, he doesn't have any, I mean, you're just going to propose to a girl, you don't have any, you, there's nothing. You are not going anywhere. You, you are not trying to marry her, nothing. But you normally, know, you have a purpose in your mind. You want to have sex. So, I mean, there's always a purpose. There's always something. There's something at the back of the mind. And that's what the, la- the ladies don't believe. They don't think it's like there's something behind. There's something behind. It's called gumption. You may not see it. There's <laughs> a plan. You, do, you don't know. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, but God had a, he had a reason for doing all that he did. Okay, so back to Isaiah chapter 54. Now let's read from verse, verse 1. You see, Isaiah chapter 53 ends with, go, go to the ending of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a scripture concerning what you said is for us and our redemption. Okay, therefore, light divided him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out, because he has poured his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Have you seen it? He's talking about what Jesus did. Then the next verse is chapter 54, verse 1. So chapter 54, verse 1 is the voice of the new creation. What Jesus did, okay, now culminates in these verses. So he says, Sing, O barren. All those who were barren before, because of salvation, he says, Now sing. Now rejoice. Now become excited in life. Why? Says, sing, O barren, thou that thou that does not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. Become excited in life. Why? Thou that does not travel with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Says your children, you are going to bear many plenty fruit because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross of Calvary. So he says, start rejoicing, start singing, because is he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory is the only thing you can think about. Joy, blessings, goodness, love, and peace. That is what you enjoy. So he says, sing. You who did not bear. Next verse. Verse 2. Then just enlarge the place of thy tent. Like, start making plans for enlargement. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch for the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. He says, don't think about... You see, when you're, when you're, make, when you're imagining... Things concerning your life and how your life is supposed to go. Don't have restrictions in your mind. When you think about your prosperity, don't think about one little tiko for yourself, another for your wife. Think big. He's trying to say, think big. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch for the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not. Tell him, spare not. Spare not. 
Make big plans. That's what he's trying to tell you. Why? Because you're a child of God now. Tell him about make big plans. Some people are afraid of their neighbors. Tell him about make big plans. Make big plans. As a business person, make big plans. Don't make small plans. Why? Because you're a child of God now. Someone died for you. Make big plans. Start declaring big things. Don't say, I'm with the family that I come from. I don't know how it's going to be. What can we do? And you never know. You never know limited. <laughs> Enlarge the place of thy tent. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch for the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. Lengthen thy courts and strengthen thy stakes. Make big plans. That's what he's trying to say to you. He says, stop thinking small. Stop thinking from where you, where you were born. You were born in some corner somewhere. Stop thinking from your, your family. I thought you were a child of God. Have you read John chapter 1, verse 11, 12, and 13 before? Let's read it. John 1, 11, 12, and 13. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many, as many as received him. Have you received Jesus Christ? He says, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Then he says, which were born not of blood. So brothers and sisters, you are not born of blood anymore. You are not born from your natural family. The limitations of your natural family is not your limitations. Hey! See, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> the church you are sitting in, eh? it was nothing 10 years ago. It was nothing. What I'm preaching is what I believe. I'm preaching what I believe to you. Because that's what the Bible says. I'm his workmanship. I don't see myself as a, as a like I'm nothing. I'm not what? What you mean? What are you talking about? What you mean? <laughs> My confidence is in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What Jesus has done for me. Yeah, yeah. Someone died for me. The creator of the heavens and the earth died for me. I am not common. I am not small. I'm not, I'm not ordinary. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible also says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you are thinking, what you are saying about yourself is what is going to come to pass. Let me tell you something. Your current life and your current experience is as a result of the things you have believed and the things you have said over the period. And you may argue with me, you may fight with me, you may say that, oh, it's my, my, my parents didn't do some things for me. But that's the truth. What you believe, what you see, makes a lot of a difference. It's called the spirit of faith, believing and speaking. The whole of the causes of this world has been ordered by what I'm telling you now. What you believe, what, what you believe about yourself. And I'm not talking about believing something natural or something normal because you're from a, a good home, because you know you have a million dollars as a, a, an investment for you or something. So you have to, I said, no, that's trusting in flesh. And the Bible says that one trust in flesh is cursed. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. That says the Lord, cursed be the man that trusted in man and maketh flesh. Anything that is, is, your confidence should not be in possessions. Like, oh, we have, we have three houses here, so when you're moving, 
you have a political position. So now, yeah, you will lose the political position is not forever. It will leave. Actually, sometimes I am sad for politicians because it's very it's very sad. You see, a businessman is far better than a politician because at least his own is a bit stable. A politician, eight years, asa. Some people want to break the eight, but I don't know if it's going to happen. You want to break the eight. You are, do you understand what I'm saying? You don't, you don't watch news, so you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah? It says, he maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. It's a problem when you make, it's like flesh is your natural things is your confidence, and your heart is departing from the Lord. Like your, your trust is not in the Lord, but in the things. Your trust is in your beauty. Your hope of getting married is in your facial looks and your body. I have buttocks, I have hips. I have boobies. I have ages. Have, have you noticed that the ladies who are not pretty are the ones who marry first? The ones who are not pretty in your class, they are the ones who marry first. Have you noticed? They are married a long time. They don't trust in flesh. There's no, there's nothing to flesh. There's no flesh to trust in. They trust in the Lord. And the Lord show up for them. Hey! Don't let listen, it's it's very important though. It's very important. Don't trust in flesh. Flesh, you'll be shocked. <laughs> it's one of the things to deal with as a Christian. Yes. Trusting in flesh. You have to deal with it. You see, Paul mentioned something in Philippians chapter 3. Okay, look at Philippians 3. Let's read from verse 4. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Chief of promise to so that it makes more sense. Okay. He says, for we are the circumstances which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He says, he's telling you, don't have confidence in the flesh. Then he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Let's read lighter version. Like, Paul is going to give us a list of things that he had, naturally speaking, that he counted as cow people, as nothing, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Because Jesus, your confidence should not be based on something. Your your how your English language, how you speak, the type of accent you have. Do you understand? Like because of your English. Do you know what they Maya? Do you know what they Maya? You know what they Maya? What they Maya doesn't speak good English like that. Oh, let's let's call a spade a spade. It's the truth. This my is my friend. I mean. But the guy is a rich guy. Grace. You see, when grace locates you, <laughs> it's just the Lord, just grace. He's a very short guy. He's the Lord has blessed him. Those of us who can speak good English, American English, we are all here. <laughs> Though for myself, I, look at this. This is what Amplified says. Though for myself, I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. If any other man considers that he has or seems to have reason to rely on the flesh and his physical and outward advantages, eh? physical and what? Outward advantages. I have still more. He lists a lot of things. And then he tells us, he says, all these things, I count them as done for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Hmm? That's in verse 8. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Jesus should be the only reason for your confidence. Jesus in your life should be the only reason for your confidence. Why are you excited in life? It's because Jesus is my life. Why are you confident about the future? It's because Jesus is in my life. Not because I've done some investments. I've done some investment that is bringing me $10,000 every month. So, listen, have you seen economic crunch before? Your $10,000, $100,000 can just change you. Have you seen some before? They can bring scissors and come and give you a haircut that you didn't want to have. Hey! Hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. No be so. So there's a reason why God, you know, has done all these nice things for us. Taking away our guilt, our condemnation. Sacrificing himself. Let me, let me show you a verse in Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read from verse 16. It says, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Then it says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. <laughs> it's like God does not remember your sins. He does not remember your iniquities. Hey. Then it says, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Let's read other versions. Go back. Let's read other versions of, of these things. It says, now where there is absolute remission. This is, what, this is what has happened on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. It says, now where there is absolute remission, forgiveness, cancellation of the penalty. like... Listen, all your problems have been cancelled by Jesus Christ. By one offering. And the Bible says by his one, one sacrifice, he has perfected forever them who are sanctified. God has perfected you like he has separated you from for himself. Can you imagine? Now where there is absolute remission, forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of these sins and law breaking, then he says there is no longer any offering made to, to atone for sin. Why? Because the offering was enough. Jesus' offering was enough. Yeah. Are you getting it? Yeah. Jesus' offering was enough. Yeah. More than enough. Look at the next verse. This is therefore, because of this offering, because of this sacrifice, because that, because there's no more offering for sin, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus Christ, it's because of the power and virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have confidence. Let, let's read the, um, the, the King James. The King James says in the ninth way. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's by the blood of Jesus that we have confidence to enter boldly, to be with God boldly. There's no condemnation now for you and I. Look at the next verse, verse 20. By a new and a living way, which he has consecrated for us through the bill, that is to say, his flesh. Jesus gave up his flesh as an offering for sin so that you and I can be bold and confident in life. And he did it for a reason. Tell me, but he did it for a reason. Go back to Isaiah chapter 54. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth. The curtains of thy habitations. Spare not, lend in thy courts and strengthen thy stakes. Verse 3. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand. I'm prophesying to you. Thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. And your seed shall inherit the Gentiles. And the desolate cities shall be. Uh, the desolate cities to be inhabited. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. He says that your seed, the one who was barren before, she says you should sing. 
Why? Because he shall break what on the right and on the left. And his seed, he will bear so much fruit. God is saying that fruitfulness is your destiny, fruitfulness is your portion because of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 4. Then it says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. Verse 5. Why all these things? It's for thy maker. is thine husband. Your maker is what? Your maker is your husband. So the Lord did all these things. God did all these things so that he can marry you. The Lord did all that he did. So that he can what? He can marry. All that I've said is summarized in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 23. Eh? He says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Have you seen it? Verse, verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gain himself from it. The Lord loved us so much, he gave himself for a reason. So that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself. He might present the church himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So Jesus did all the things that he did for us in order to be married to us. There's something called the marriage supper. There's, this, there's the marriage of the lamb, and then there's the marriage supper of the lamb. If you read in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, you see some of these things. Look at Revelation 19, 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the lamb is come. Have you seen it? Who is the lamb? The lamb is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our husband. Tell you about Jesus is your husband. Whether it's a guy or a, a lady. Whether you're a guy or a lady. Jesus is your husband. Wow. For thy maker is thy husband. Thy maker is thy husband. Jesus is our husband. Hmm? For that maker, there's a marriage of the lamb that is that is, is up ahead, is coming. And the Lord gave himself for a bride, to have a bride. There's a reason for giving him. He gave himself so that he can have a bride in you and I. I see. Yeah, that's that's his reason. For taking away the sins, taking away iniquities, taking away sin and uh, guilt and condemnation. Absorbing you from all the problems so that you can focus on him. Now, remember, in the, in the in Noah's ark, okay, there were no windows at the size of the, the ark. If you read your Bible very carefully, you know, there, were, there was not even a single window at the size. The windows were on the roof of the ark. What does that mean? What it means is that in Christ, God is expecting you not to look around. For help around for resources around look looking at the judgment that is going on in the world he doesn't want you to see what is going on in the world he wants you to keep your eyes fixed on him have you read hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 before let's read hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. this is looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith. god wants you to live your life this way looking up not looking around looking up to who looking up to jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith jesus is the supplier of your of your every single day Enjoyment. 
Have you ever heard that God is a jealous God? You heard, you heard it before. Also, the spirit that is in us laughs it unto jealousy. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. What it means is that he doesn't want to share you with any other person. It's amazing. God doesn't want to share you with Netflix. He doesn't want to share you with Facebook. Do you, do you understand? I'm not saying you, you watch Netflix every now and then. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's your daily manner. As a child of God, you are, you are struggling with God. You are struggling with God when it comes to Netflix. One famous preacher, Miracle Man, said that Netflix was a major problem for him. Yeah. He had to really deal with it. Because it can be so addictive. No be so. Yeah. Whenever you sit down, you just want to go on Netflix, you want to go on TikTok, you want to go on this and that. Am I preaching or I'm not preaching? He doesn't want to share with a certain boy who, who doesn't like him. Hates him and is preventing you from getting close to him. Oh, yes. <laughs> James chapter 4 verse 5. Do you think that the scripture says in the spirit that dwelleth in us lasts to envy? He's talking about your attention. Where you are our, our God is a jealous God. He, he wants your attention for himself. Because he is the one you are married to. He's the one who paid for your, your, your dowry. He died for you. He's expecting you to spend more time with him. For thy maker is thy husband. Go back to that place. Isaiah 54 verse 5. For thy maker is thy husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer. The holy one of Israel. So your, your, your husband is your redeemer. The one who redeemed us. The one who purchased our redemption. Do you see? The one who brought us in. If you read in Colossians chapter 1. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. It is giving thanks unto... Let's read from verse 11. Makes more sense from verse 11. I pray that he will strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Verse 12 says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet or who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Then it says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Have you seen it? He has delivered us from the power. Why did he deliver us from the power of darkness? So that he can be married to you. Why did he translate us into the kingdom of his dear son? So that he can be married to you. Look at Genesis 14. In whom we have, not in whom we are going to have, in whom we have redemption. What is redemption? Redemption, buying, the buying back. You have been bought by God. Hmm? Tell everybody, you have been bought by God. God owns you. Spirit, soul, body. Have you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 before? Let's read 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says, what? No, you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. Then he says, you are, and you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. You are bought with a price. What is the price? The price is Jesus' blood. Your value is equal to the blood of Jesus. Jesus. When you're going to buy a shirt, there's a tag, there's a price tag on it. No, you're buying a shoe, there's a price tag. They're buying Puma or Reebok. Someone said Redock. There's a shoe called Redock. Reebok. There's a, there's a price tag when you're buying your wig. Bone straight. Or Brazilian. Or Peruvian. There's a price tag. No, so. Yeah. Even the ladies know what kind of wig each person is carrying. They know. They know. When they see the wig that is on your hair, they can tell from a distance that, ah, this is fiber. Or this is human hair. And then they give you a price tag. I know some ladies who do that. They just, oh, this one is 300. 
This one is sifting. It's sifting. Hey! If you want to hide it, just braid your hair so that nobody gets to know that what it is. I tell you. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your flesh, in your spirit, which are God's. So, is this your body, your spirit is for God? The Lord owns you. Tell me about the Lord owns you. The Lord owns. And the Lord likes you. And the Lord <laughs> you see, you are the desire. Have you seen a husband? Fresh husband before. <laughs> Do you understand? Like Adele got married yesterday. Oh, Jane, like uh, James, for instance. New husband. I mean, there's a certain kind of job, especially on the wedding day. You want to, there are some things that you are looking at in the night. Not be so. Those who are married, you know what I'm talking about. Those who are not married, I pray for you that the Lord will help you and guide you. May you be married quickly in Jesus' name. Let me, let me show you a verse concerning how the Lord likes you and desires you and prefers you and loves you and. Hmm. Hey. As a bridegroom rejoices, you are the desire of the Lord. The Lord rejoices over you as a bridegroom rejoices. As I what? 62 verse 5. Uh huh, that is it. It says, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. It says, as the what? The bridegroom rejoices over the bride. The joy that a bridegroom has over his bride. That is the same way the Lord also rejoices over you. The Lord, is, the Lord likes you, desires you. I mean, when you, when you wake up in the morning and you say good morning to the Lord, hello, just like himself has come. Think, think right. Oh, yes, yeah, think Understand right. what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, what do you say? Yes, he's excited. <laughs> the Lord must help your mind. <laughs> As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. <laughs> it's like I've spoken to your mind concerning this verse. Hallelujah. That's how God desires you. That's how God likes you. That's how God enjoys it when you are talking to him. Like, joy unspeakable, full of glory. God enjoys it. That's why when one person gets saved, the Lord, why do you say the angels rejoice? He says that there's joy before before the angels. Who is before the angels? It's the the Lord. Our God. He he becomes excited when one person gets born again. One. I'm so excited. And when that born again child of God is consistent with him, starts returning his love back to him. Aish. Aish. I tell you, you are the delight of Can you imagine? You are the delight of the Lord. The Lord enjoys you. That's why I always say that God cares about you watchfully. Hmm? He cares about you watchfully. Let, let's read that. Uh, first Peter, first Peter chapter 5. Yes, verse 7. Casting away your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let's read the amplified of this. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you, what? Affectionately and cares about you watchfully. The Lord cares about you affectionately. He has, God has great affection towards you. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. He has great affection towards you. He doesn't joke with you at all. You are like the apple of his eye. He doesn't joke with you. Maybe you don't know. Sometimes Christians don't know these things. They feel that, oh, I mean, nobody cares for that. God cares for you affectionately. You don't believe it. You are looking for someone to care for you affectionately and watch me. Nobody can do that. No human being can do that. Only God does that. Yes. Why? Because you are his bride. Tell anybody you are the bride of Christ. And he, he enjoys your presence. Thy maker is thy husband. Tell anybody, thy maker is thy husband. And he's jealous over you. With godly jealousy. For your attention. Second Corinthians 11. Paul says, for I am jealous over you. With godly jealousy. Paul was the pastor of this church. You see, he was the apostle of the church and he was the pastor of the church. And he was saying, I'm, God, I'm jealous over you. Like, when I see your attention being taken by somebody else or by something else, I become very angry. When I see that you are not attending church services and you are not coming for certain programs, certain meetings, I, I, become, I, become, I become some way. Even though I didn't give birth to you, I become some way. I don't know if you've ever seen your pastor angry at you that you didn't come for a particular meeting or you didn't show up or you didn't do. And he's not, he's not happy. Why is he not happy? It's because of the assignment of the Lord. Is it because the Lord has, the Lord appoints human beings to guard his bride to him? You see, pastors are the friends of the bridegroom who rejoice to hear at the voice of the of the groom. Is John Patus? Was like that, and that's how all ministers are like. You see, uh, so Paul says, I am jealous about you with godly jealousy. Why? For I have espoused you to one husband, not to five husbands, to one husband. I've given you out to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. God wants us to be presented as chaste virgins. Not, I'm not talking about natural virginity, I'm talking about spiritual virginity. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. If, if you read in Revelation chapter 14, you see, you see a script, scriptures concerning what it means to be a virgin spiritually. It says, there are those who follow the Lord, the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. So following the Lord, Revelation 14, 4. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. It says, these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. You see, there are those who are redeemed who don't follow the Lamb wherever He goes. You see, God wants you to be someone who follows Him, follows His love, follows His, his kindness. You know, you are with Him all the time. Every morning you say good morning, you read your Bible, you pray, you fast, you do something. You're always walking with the Lord, walking with Jesus every single day. That is where your fruitfulness is. Your fruitfulness is in your allowing the Spirit to lead you. You see, I told you that the Lord, the Lord appoints ministers like Paul, like us, to guide you and guard you, isn't it? Because you see, in, if you remember in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, look at Ephesians 5, 25. It says, Husband, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might present, he means about, that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself at glorious church. So it's like the Lord is going to present us to himself. But actually, the Lord employs the services of the Holy Spirit and the services of ministers to help build you up to be presented to him. And I just showed you a scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 11, 2, showing, Paul says that, for I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. 
Why? For I have espoused you to one husband, that I, I may present you to him as a chaste virgin to Christ. On the wedding day, the father of the bride is the one who brings the bride in, isn't it? There's a father of the bride. There's a father of the church who is to present you. And that father of the church is the Holy Spirit. And he has assistants whom he works with, who are the ministers. Do you see? Nobody can actually appreciate you for who you really are. No, no human being can. Nobody. When you're, even when you're employed, they don't pay you as much as you're supposed to. <laughs> Their value is not, it's not the same. The Lord is the only one who can appreciate you for who you really are. Yes. God doesn't joke with you. He loves you. Sometimes I wish I could just open your head and put it inside that God really loves you. God really likes you. Stop running away from God. Tell your neighbor, stop running away from God. Shake your neighbor and say, stop running away from God. God likes you. Yeah. Do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery? How many of you remember the woman who was caught in adultery? John chapter 8. She was caught in adultery. In the act, in the very act. They pulled her from under the man. Something. And brought her to Jesus Christ. Now, they said to Jesus, listen, the law says that, according to the law of Moses, we have to stone this lady to death. What do you say? You see, Jesus didn't mind them. He was just writing on the floor. Jesus wrote on the floor, stood up. They were not minding him. He was not minding them, rather. You know, he wrote with his finger on the floor. Actually, he was writing on the temple stones. He was not outside the temple, he was inside the temple. So he was writing on the temple stones. He was right, so he was writing on stones, actually. Then he stood up and went down again and wrote again. And everybody left their stones and went away. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up, this John A. said, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast, first cast a stone at her. Verse 8. And again he stood down. So he stood, he stood down twice to write and wrote on the ground. Now, what was Jesus saying? Jesus was telling them that he's the one who wrote the law. He's the finger that wrote the law. Because the law was written once. When it came down, Moses, upon seeing the errors of the people, broke it. And went back up to go and receive again. So Jesus stood down once to write on the stone. And stood and wrote down again on the stone. To let them know that I wrote the law. And I am the one who is the judge and shows you what to do. I say it. Now, after he had done that, look at the next verse. Verse 10. He says, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto a woman, where are those that accusers? Has no man condemned thee? Everybody wanted to condemn her. Human beings will condemn you. Have you noticed? Yeah. Those who are condemning you, they also have problems, but they will still be pointing fingers at you. Have you seen it before? Yeah. That's how, it's, it's human nature. And you must decide not to become like that as a child of God. Yeah. Don't stop pointing fingers. You hear that this person has done this. Hey! <laughs> Meanwhile, you have, done, you have done it so many times. And sometimes you, you have done something wrong and you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself. It's like, I did this. I don't know. I feel that God is angry. I'm telling you today that God is not angry with you. Oh. It's like, you don't, you don't like what I'm saying. Yeah. You are standing in the place of God to judge for God. 
He says there is therefore now no condemnation. Your sins, I just read it to you. Your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. What is your problem? Why are you remembering? You have remembrance of everything you did seven years ago till now. Whenever you are coming to pray, when we say, shall we begin to speak a language of faith? Maya. Then the thought starts coming to you. That is why you can't come close to God. Because you have allowed your sins and your iniquities to prevent you. Yeah. It's your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. What do you remember? Look at what Jesus did for the lady. When he stood up and asked the lady, why are those that accusers? They said, no. she said, oh, no man, no man has accused me. Go back to that place, John 8. Then it, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I what? Then he said, go and sin no more. So, in a natural, people will say, don't sin anymore so that you are not condemned. But Jesus gave her the gift of no condemnation so that she will go and sin no more. If you don't receive, if you don't learn to receive the gift of no condemnation and the gift of death cancelled, all those things, you will never, you will keep doing foolish things. If you don't know how much you have been forgiven, you just keep doing errors, committing errors. Yeah. And that's what I'm preaching when I'm preaching to you. For you to know that God actually has been forgiven. That's the truth. You have been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30. Look at Ephesians 4, 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has what? Has forgiven. Not is looking at, looking at your case. The Lord is looking at your case to see the extent of your errors. You did seven abortions. The Lord is looking at it to consider whether you are accepted or not. The first one was twins. You committed murder some time ago, so the Lord is. Accept what God has, is saying, okay? Just accept it. You will be better. You will be better off. You will live a better life if you accept what God says about you. Be kind one to another. Turn out to forgive one another. Even as God. The basis of your forgiving another person is remembering the fact that you have been forgiven. God has forgiven you. God is not counting your sins against you. God has wiped away your sins by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. By his sacrifice. We have confidence to come. God has declared us not guilty. Hmm? I'm showing you more scriptures. Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He says, Jesus, he's talking about Jesus. If you read 24, you see he's talking about, go to 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Christ, up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So he's talking about Jesus our Lord. Who, eh, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered for our offenses. The reason why Jesus died was because of your offenses. Past, present, future. It's difficult to say some things. Some of this is because someone will say, "Hey, that means that let me do what I what I, tomorrow. What can I do? What foolish thing can I do? The blood must be used. The blood must be used. But if you remember, I told you that if you understand the love of Christ, uh, you will live your life in honor of Him and not in your own way. 
Paul said that, listen, we've been made, we, we, are, we have been liberated in Christ. He says, don't use your liberty as an occasion for your flesh. Don't, don't let your liberty... Eh? It's a certain kind of wisdom that you must have. Yeah, Romans 6 says it. Yes, it's true. Ah, Galatians chapter 5. It says, for brethren, you have been called unto what? Liberty. Then this only use not your... Only use not liberty for an occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. Have you seen it? Let's read other versions of this. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. So we've been called to freedom. That's the truth. Then it says, only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. You didn't see him? Mm-hmm. You are liberated so you can serve God with your liberty. Not to fool around. No, no, no. It means that you don't understand what we are talking about. If you are concerned, the next thing you can do in order for Jesus' blood to be of use, then you don't know. You don't understand what we are talking about. Paul was accused of preaching licentiousness, licensing to sin. You are saying that if that's what I'm preaching, then there's a, there's a problem. Because that's what I'm preaching liberty. You see. Anyway, let's go back to what we're, what we're reading before. God gave her the gift of no condemnation. Always remember that, okay? It says, Jesus was delivered for our offenses on account of our offenses and was raised again on account of our justification. Verse, verse chapter 5, verse 1, that's the next verse. It says, therefore being justified. The word justified means be declared not guilty. Therefore being justified. So he's trying to let you know that you have been justified. You have been declared not guilty. You have been made the righteousness of God. Therefore being justified by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. It's by your believing in Jesus Christ that you are declared not guilty. Since therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, goes and says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When you come in, you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's, there's a hope of the church. Okay? The hope of the church is the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why in Titus chapter 2 verse 11, Look at this. It's for the grace of God which that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto what? All men. Teaching us that. This is so the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worthy lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Have you seen it? So the grace of God does not mean that you should fool around. The grace of God means, teaches you, okay, how can you have the life of God? The life of God does not, you see, the life of God does not sin. The life of God hates sin, yet the life of God is the righteousness of God. Do you get it? How can you be, how can you believe in the righteousness of God and be fooling around with the same life of God that hates sin and loves righteousness? Please join the heart of the It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it is denying ungodliness. Teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldliness. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. What blessed hope is that? And the glorious appearing of, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's talking about the hope of redemption, the redemption of our body. You live your life waiting for the appearing of Jesus Christ. Not fooling around. You have the return of the Lord on your mind. Hallelujah. So, thy maker is thy husband. And he desires you. Tell him he desires you. He has strong 
full affection for you. Yes. And he did all that he did so that he can have your attention. Tell you what, he did all that he did so that he can have your attention. Hallelujah. We'll continue next Sunday. Rise up on your feet and let's, let's pray. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and bounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.